Let us pray. O Lord, you have given us your word for a light to shine upon our path. Grant us so to meditate on that word and to follow its teachings that we may find in it the light that shines more and more until the perfect day. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, amen. Today's Old Testament reading comes from 2 Kings chapter 5, verses 9 through 15. Listen for the word of the Lord. So Naaman came with his horses and chariots and halted at the entrance of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, Go, wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored, and you shall be clean. But Naaman became angry and went away saying, I thought that for me he would surely come out and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and would wave his hand over the spot and cure the skin disease. Are not Abana and Farpar the rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? He turned and went away in a rage but his servant approached him and said to him, Father, if the prophet had commanded you to do something difficult, would not you have done it? How much more when all he said to you was wash and be clean? So he went down and immersed himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the word of the man of God. His flesh was restored like the flesh of a young boy and he was clean. Then he turned to the man of God, he and all his company. He came and stood before him and said, Now I know that there is no God in all the earth except in Israel. Please accept the present from your servant. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, his love is everlasting. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, his love is everlasting. Let the house of Israel say his mercy endures forever let the house of Aaron say his mercy endures forever let those who fear the Lord say his mercy endures forever Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, his love is everlasting. I was 
thrust down, thrust down and falling. But the Lord was my helper. The Lord is my strength and my soul. He was my savior. There are shouts of joy and salvation in the tents of the just. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love is everlasting. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. By the Lord has this been done, a marvel in our eyes. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice in it and be glad. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love is everlasting. Good morning. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. The gospel reading this morning comes from Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. Listen for the word of the Lord. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee as he entered a village. Ten lepers approached him. Keeping their distance, they called out, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were made clean. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus asked, were not ten made clean? But the other nine, where are they? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. Let us pray. Oh God, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit that as your word is proclaimed today, we may hear what you are saying to us. Let the words of your servant's mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. O oh Lord, our rock 
and our Redeemer. Through Christ. Amen. The sermon title this morning is Don't Overlook God's Grace. In our text, we find Jesus actively traveling. He is moving intentionally on a mission toward the cross to fulfill his passion in the holy city. This is Luke's third account of the travel section. In Luke 9, 51, Jesus sets his face toward Jerusalem. In 13, 22, he is teaching his way to Jerusalem. And now, in chapter 17, verse 11, he is on his way to Jerusalem. And this trip, his last trip to Jerusalem, his itinerary has him going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. With Galilee north of Samaria and Jerusalem south, Jesus and the Jews would have to make their way along the eastern border to skirt around Samaria. It was at that junction of Samaria and Galilee, heading south, Jesus would encounter a certain village where he heard ten lepers crying out. According to the law, the lepers had to live outside the village whether they were Jews or Samaritans. Leprosy was considered a wasting disease that destroyed the flesh and was contagious on contact. Perhaps not leprosy the way we understand it in modern times, but they were the untouchables in their community and they either had to live alone or in community with one another. Leviticus 13 verses 34 to 42 and Numbers 5, 2 to 4, detail how lepers were to look and that they had to give fair warning of their contagious presence. They had to wear torn clothes, their hair unkept. And when anyone encountered them, they had to cover up their upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean. These were considered external marks of grief. The men were likely emotionally broken, dealing with separation anxiety from their communities, feeling a sense of hopelessness, and perhaps too desperate to ask directly to be healed. In keeping with the law, they kept their distance. And as I imagine it, with whatever energy they had left, they called out in their suffering with a prayer that only God could answer. Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. In other words, do what only God can do and heal us. We don't know if they were told about the power of Jesus' healing ministry or if some of them were once a part of the crowd who witnessed his healings, but they identified Jesus in a way that only his disciples did, saying, Master. Jesus responded in an unusual way. He does not reach out to them and touch him like he did in Mark chapter 1, verse 41. He does not promise a healing, and nor does he acknowledge them directly. Instead, he commands them to go and show themselves to the priests. Presenting themselves to the priests would have been the legal prescription to be pronounced clean, found in Leviticus chapter 14, verses 2 through 4. 
The Samaritans would have to go to a priest at Mount Gerizim and the Jews to a priest in Jerusalem. To be pronounced clean was a long and tedious process and the reevaluations came only on the seventh day. The price of leprosy would cost someone their local and religious community, family, friends, and way of life. Depending on the priest's evaluation, one could be an outcast for weeks, months, or even years. But Jesus saw them. He cured all ten men of their skin disease. When one noticed that he was healed, he turned back and praised God and in a loud voice, gave his praise, bowed down before Jesus, and thanked him. Being able to see, brothers and sisters, is important in this story. No, not just having the physical uh, vision, but receiving a discerning faith that responds to God's grace. Reverend John Scholler preached two weeks ago about the rich man who did not receive his heavenly reward, noting he was on the outside because he failed to see the poor. Likewise, in Luke chapter 10, verses 23 and 24, seeing is vital in Jesus blessing his disciples. The texts read, then turning to the disciples, Jesus said to them privately, blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings desired to see what you see, but did not see it. The text can make a parallel in the power of seeing when we consider the parable of the Good Samaritan. A priest, a Levite, and a Samaritan encounter the man who fell into the hands of a robber, but it was the Samaritan who saw him and was moved to help him. I cannot imagine the overwhelming excitement of being healed and knowing that I would be reconnected with my community. I would imagine that if the 10 men had cell phones, they would have called, text, Instagrammed, FaceTimed their families and friends to share the fantastic news of what had happened to them. But in their gratefulness, they overlooked God's grace. The Samaritan broke ranks and the commonality of their choral praise for mercy when he saw God's hand of grace in his life and turned to give glory to God in thanks to Christ. Brothers and sisters, Jesus wants us to see God's grace, show gratitude for our blessings to Christ, and know that God's mercy has no bounds. The ability to see reveals at least three things to us in the text today. First, seeing should affect our response when we encounter God's transformative grace. Sometimes our blessing is right before our eyes and we can name it, but we chalk it up to it being a good day or having good luck. How many times have we prayed a long and intense prayer that we might not have thought was possible and the prayer was answered 
and we remain silent. We have probably experienced blessings where, if you think about it, it could have only been God that affected that situation or our prayer request. If we fail to see God's hand of mercy, we can be like the nine who, in their happiness, and going to see the priest to receive a clean bill of health, not turn to Christ with gratitude. Seeing our blessings and responding in faith is Christ's expectation. Jesus asked, were ten not clean? But the other nine, where are they? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? The Samaritan did not overlook his grace. And through faith, we have been gifted to discern God's grace and mercy so that we might respond faithfully whenever and wherever we bear witness to Christ's power. As a country, we, we have difficulty saying thank you these days. Mary Killen on Popular Culture writes that the thank you note is the last bastion in what the journalist has called an epidemic of discourtesy. Even when we see, even with the ease of communication via email or text messages, fewer and fewer people seem to be taking the time to say thanks to others. And often, if thanks are given at all, it is only in a quick message that can hardly be described as articulate, memorable, or a product of many efforts. When we see God's grace, there ought to be an overwhelming sense of praise for how God's love is transforming us. Second, seeing should inform our understanding that we have a powerful opportunity to show grace to others. Just like the Good Samaritan who saw the man on the side of the road and responded with compassion, Jesus saw the ten lepers in need and responded likewise, healing them in his divine power. A question for believers is, who and what do you see today? And how might you respond? The war in Ukraine, the aftermath of Ian, the poverty and hunger we encounter in Richmond and around the country and world, and other tragedies should move us to compassion and service to those we see who are in need and have lost hope. The significant issues around us may seem obvious and easy to name, and our responses uh, may seem straightforward, but sometimes opportunities to show grace are not so evident and easy to name. For example, a coworker who is suffering with anxiety or spiritual brokenness the person we walk by who looks the part but is struggling with day-to-day -day life, the international student or family who is separated from their family and culture. Who sees them? Faithful insights should inspire our call to participate in God's grace towards others through acts of kindness, service, and encouraging word and even a smile to those we might encounter who are crying out in their own way, 
Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Many in our midst and around the world desire to be made well. In the love of God, Christ's grace, and in the power of the Holy Spirit, we can extend God's hand of grace and mercy in the lives of those we see and encounter today. Lastly, seeing reveals that God's grace crosses boundaries. Sometimes when we feel closest to God, we can have an attitude of deserving God's grace. The Jews who walked away in great joy that their grief was behind them and to show their priests their new clean skin did just that. They were grateful but overlooked an opportunity for a faithful response to God and Christ's authority over their lives. It took a foreigner to do what the Jews were tutored to do, give thanks to God. The catchword foreigner, equivalent to the reference to the Seraphonician woman being called dog in Mark 27 and Matthew 15, 26, reveals the ethnocentric divisions and Christ's inclusiveness and affirmation of a faithful response to God by all who trust in Christ. The Samaritan, the outsider, responded when he saw grace. We too must have spiritual insight into what God is doing that is sensitive enough to discern Christ's hand when it is least expected. If we look, we'll feel and see God's grace cross other types of boundaries. The boundaries of our feeling of unworthiness, the depths of our suffering, our outcast status in the community, and the struggles that make us feel like Christ is at a distance. Like the Samaritan, God often uses the least likely person or situation so that all might know that God did it. We ought to be like the Samaritan and come to Jesus. We should show our immediate praise and thanksgiving when we recognize that God's grace has touched us. If you woke up this morning, that is God's grace enough for us to respond. Our priority as faithful believers is to put God first. And above all things, praise him as an expression of our faith. That is what it means to not overlook God's grace. Jesus said to the Samaritan, as he says to us today, who trust in him and respond to his grace, your faith has made you well. Lewis B. Smeads, a, a renowned author, ethicist, and theologian, in a quote from God and a grateful old man, wrote, I have never met a grateful person who was an unhappy person. As a matter of fact, I have never met a grateful person who was a bad person. All we need to be grateful is the insight to recognize a real gift when we get one. A gift is not just something we get for nothing.
Friends, our faith through grace comes with the gift of salvation today and in the life to come through Christ's sacrifice on the cross at Calvary for us. The story of the ten lepers doesn't end with just the healing of leprosy and praise. Of course, the nine received the miraculous uh, healing through mercy they called out for as they were made well or katharizo, meaning to be cleansed or purified. But the Samaritan, who was also purified, received more than he could have ever imagined by responding to God's grace and gratitude. He was made well. The Greek word so-so, which also means saved or delivered. He received salvation from the mouth of Christ, who said, get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. Beloved, what is your expression of gratitude today for God's saving grace in your life? Let us not overlook our many blessings, a faith community, people praying for us, friendships, special family relationships, health, life, and strength, and God's presence with us in whatever we are going through. Let us have eyes of compassion to help others in need through our prayers, hands, feet, and resources to make a difference around us and in the world. Let us look to Christ, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who gives us hope and salvation. Don't overlook God's grace, for the law shows us our disease, but the gospel shows us our help in Christ. Amen.